Hi, I'm your host, Megan Whiteside. I'm a lawyer and a mom, and I know how trying to balance the two can leave you feeling depleted and stuck. Are you ready to reframe your mindset, own your power, and set yourself up for success? You're listening to the Mom Life & Law Podcast. Lawyer moms, as I am recording this message for you, I am just coming off my birthday weekend and I have been reflecting on the state of my work-life boundaries or really lack thereof because this weekend was the first time in over a year where I truly disconnected from work and built in time for rest and relaxation. I took a nap on my birthday when my boys napped. We got outside. I spent most of the weekend off of social media, at least significantly reduced the amount of time I was on social media. I connected with friends and family near and far through texts and phone calls and video chats and really just fueled my soul with things I loved like reading and watching March Madness and not stressing about what I need to accomplish next. You know, I have been getting messages about building in time for rest in a lot of different ways, whether that's through listening to podcasts or hearing it from people I know, reading about rest and, you know, giving yourself the time and space to recuperate on messages on social media or posts from other people. That message just has been showing up a lot for me lately. And I am going to prioritize building in time for rest for myself because it made such a difference to rest and relax this past weekend. Not saying that we all have a lot of time to build it in, but it is something we can prioritize, even if it's just a small amount each week to start with that. I'm going to start small and I want to encourage all of you to do that as well. And without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Mom, Life, and Law. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Sue. If you will introduce yourself and let the listeners know what you do. Well, it's Mom, Life, and Law, so I I better prove both points. Um, I'm the mom of two boys, teenagers, 17 and 19. They are both the joy of my life and the bane of my existence. Um, Luckily, a little bit more of the former, a little bit less of the latter, but then COVID, there are days. Um, my oldest is at college now, so I only have one to contend with. So, so far, so good. Um, when it comes to law, I have been a transactional practitioner for 26, math is hard, 27 years. Um, I've mostly been in the technology transactional space, but I've been with Wells Fargo for the last 20 years where I've had a series of different jobs, um, doing deals small and incredibly large. It's, um, probably wouldn't surprise you the amount of technology it takes to run a bank, but it's a lot. Um, and in years since I've done third-party program and policy, um, worked with corporate properties and corporate security, enterprise incident management, risk and insurance management, pretty much if, if it involves a third party or it involves the practice of the buildings and the facilities, I've been part of it, which means in the last year I've been the queen of COVID, although that sounds terrible, but yeah, that's basically been it. 
Um, and you've been really proud to be part of the effort to keep our employees and keep our customers safe. I'm glad to see that there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel um, with the vaccine. But uh, that's that's my background in terms of law. In addition, I'm also the president and co-chair of Leading Women in Technology, which is a women's professional development uh, nonprofit. We've got programs in New York, Seattle, Palo Alto, and San Francisco, and those are year-long programs that help women um, really tap into what their plan is, what their intent is, and to give them practical tools and soft skills to really reach their own goal. I mean, we've all got different ones, but helping them, we find that doing the work in a cohort, doing it in a in a place where there's both support and accountability has been really a place of amazing growth for women. I know you and I met each other through a women's lawyers networking um, group and the amount of support, but also accountability that we found in our group has been inspiring, right? And there are people who I've never you know, seen face to face, but who I, I call my dear friends. And I think um, we look to model that in the professional world. I'm also on the board of Professional Businesswomen of California, which is an amazing group. They're putting on their 32nd conference uh, this May with speakers like Gloria Steinem and the head of the WTO and you know, people like that, no big deal. And, um, and then in addition, I am a career therapist. I do um, interview coaching and negotiation coaching and resumes. So pretty full days. That's me. I would say so. That sounds like quite a full plate there. I love hearing about the work that you do with leading women in technology, and I've seen firsthand how much you give, right? You talked about the the networking group that we're a part of, just in terms of, of your time and your spirit. How did you get into this volunteer work and also then the, the career counseling? Well, um, I'd like to say that I was naturally gifted at this, and then I just elegantly walked forward and decided... Um, to do great works. Um, the reality was I came to this learning a lot later in my career probably than I should have. Uh, and I went through the program, the uh, LWT program, at the encouragement of, of a woman who was my partner back at you know DLA Piper back in the day. And um, she was like, you know, you should really look into this program. And I was like, oh, I'm really busy. And then the next year she said, you know, you should really look into this program. And I was like, hmm. Karen's from the Midwest. If Karen is suggesting that I should really look into the program, she's really putting herself out there. I love the people from the Midwest. This is a hug for you. So the third time she said it, I was like, okay, clearly there's something wrong with me. There wasn't. But what she knew and what I wasn't seeing was that just doing good work, just showing up and and doing everything asked of you with you know reasonably positive spirit is great, but it's table stakes. And that if you really want to move forward, if you really want to progress, if you really want to be sort of the driver of your own career as opposed to the passenger, um, you're really going to have to do some of the work, right? And she sensed that in me and she was totally right. And I did that in my 40s, right? So much later than some of the generations behind me are sort of grabbing the reins or the wheel and driving their own um, destiny. Um, so having come to it late, I have made it my mission to help women get intentional about what it is they want and not rely on the world to push them or pull them someplace and really to give them the practical tools to move themselves forward. Because that's what we all need, right? No one needs one more inspirational speech that makes 
you once again feel bad about how great their stuff is and where you, where you are, you need someone to say, if you're not happy with where you are, come along and here are some tools. So that's what I'm all about. That is fantastic. So there's, there's so many nuggets of wisdom in what you just said. I kind of want to go back to, you talked about being intentional with your career progression and then finding either that support or resource for getting the practical tools for moving forward. So let's go back to the intention. What's important about being intentional with your career progression? Well, I guess I'll do it with a picture. Um, You know, you could be a sailboat where you rely on the winds to help move you, right? Because we're not, you know, we all exist in systems. We need clients and we've got managers, we've got family systems to navigate. Um, So it's one thing to be a really well-equipped sailboat with radar and navigation and all sorts of sails and an engine for backup and being a canoe, right? So that kind of sailboat is like, you're not going to get anywhere unless you have a plan, right? You've got maps, you've got charts, you've got weather predictions. You're, you not only know where you want to go, you understand what's pushing you, what's the wind in your sails, as well as what might be your headwind, right? Weather, people, jobs, um, whatever it may be. And a lot of people are in what they consider just a really sturdy canoe, right? I'm just doing my work right here. And I guess the winds and the water will take me where I need to go. And sometimes, I don't know, you get into the right jet stream, you're going to end up in the right place. But that's an accident and a happy accident to be sure. But accidents aren't repeatable, right? It's coincidence or circumstance. And for people who want to drive their own future, at least to have a hand in driving their own future, you've got to have a plan, right? If for no other reason than to know whether or not you're meeting it. Yeah. So what did that look like for you when you went through the program of leading women in technology? Some of it for me was the work that we did around sort of how we show up, right? We all have a brand, whether or not we know it, right? Go to any kid's basketball game. I have two boys. Go to any kid's basketball game and they're in second grade and playing basketball. And those kids have a brand. There's the kid who wants the ball, who makes the shots, who calls for the ball. There's the kid who bounces it twice and passes it. Having done his basketball duty, right? I'm playing basketball, right? And so, I mean, take that over to the career world. You've got people who have their heads down that clearly don't want to be called on. They're happy to do the work and then pass it to somebody who really wants to show, to shine, to score, right? Um, And so I think, you know, I was showing up as I'm perpetually your lieutenant. I'm just here to work hard. You can dump anything on me. And I wasn't showing up with somebody who had ambition for themselves or had ambition for the roles or projects or um, work streams that she got assigned to. I secretly wanted it. And I hope that if I thought it magically hard enough, it would happen. And weirdly, Megan, it did not. So, I mean, again, I tell a great story about, you know, I sort of felt like I was Cinderella scrubbing the hearth, you know, head down, working hard. Someone's going to notice me. But, you know, fairy godmothers, mice and pumpkins aside, right, you know, mostly you've got to stand up, walk out the door and do something different. So, I mean, I didn't leave my company. Actually, what I did was I changed the way I thought about how I was going to show up. I changed the way I showed up. And that third law of physics works, right? 
you change who you are, the world is going to change how it reacts to you. Maybe not immediately, but people are going to see a change. They're going to see a greater dynamic. They're going to see greater purpose, greater intention. And if it's the right place for you, they're going to find a place for that different person, right? If it's not the right place for you, they're going to continue to try and shove you in that box. And then, and then you have to have the conversation of, I want out of the box and, and they will welcome you with open arms or you will, you know, find another set of welcome open arms. So what changes did you make? I had lots of strategy in my head that instead of sharing with the leader of the meeting before the meeting, I shared at the meeting so that it was my strategy, right? There were ways to um, volunteer to take on work that were much higher profile as opposed to working in the background and letting others take credit for my work. Um, there were work streams that I volunteered for that I knew would be difficult, but also would end up being with senior leaders, not in my direct chain. And I knew that that would get me some attention. So not huge things. I mean, I'd like to believe that I was a good lawyer before I am a good lawyer. Now I'd like to believe that my immediate clients in my various assigned groups probably didn't change their feelings about me, but my ability to maneuver in my power structure changed a good deal. So what did you observe as you started to make those changes, right? I think there are probably a lot of women listening who this is a light bulb moment where, you know, we show up, we work hard, we think we're going to get recognized and we're frustrated that our career is not progressing in the way that we want to. So as you started to make these strategic shifts and changes to get that visibility, what did it, what happened? Well, I I did have a very good manager. I just had not ever shared my thoughts with her. So I got really positive feedback from her. Like, that's fantastic. Great, Sue, come along. So I I was really um, pleasantly received, right? There were other folks in the group who I think any shift in power dynamics is, you know, destabilizes the, the group. And so there were some folks like, why is Sue getting to? How come Sue is now leading or things like that? And, you know, really, I like kind of left that to my boss. Like, I'm, I'm getting some flack about this. Do you still want me on the project? Yes. I go, great. You know, because again, it's not my job. I mean, it's my job to be pleasant and civil and collegial, but it's not my pro- my job to manage folks who are having an adult person tantrum. So, you know, hard enough when they're your own children, right? But Yes. And you had small children at that time, right? So you're dealing with the tantrums in different ways. No, 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 no. I mean, my kids are 19 and 17. And this was more, you know, eight, and nine years ago. I mean, really, when my kids were little, you know, I was overwhelmed, right? I, you know, I, I worked, uh, you know, sort of not a law firm day, but I worked a a busy in-house day. And so my life was kids in school and seeing, you know, friends on the weekend who had kids the same age who we could put in a room and then drink coffee and, you know, commiserate with. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it was really as my kids got to be older, as they hit that walk to and from school, um, sit down and do my homework by myself, you know, able to do chores. Um, I'm I'm sure, you know, and hats off to all the women who have navigated it with very small children. I, I knew that I didn't have it in me right? Or maybe I thought I didn't have it in me. Maybe I did all that time. But I think we all come to that realization when we do, right? And so for me, I had a little space in my head because the kids were less of a constant 
management pressure. Like every evening wasn't about from the minute I got home to the minute they went to bed, managing some aspect of their existence, right? And so for me, that was when I started networking more and I started doing more um, in the nonprofit world and started doing more events for things that really filled my cup, right? Which is all about how we learn and grow and develop and you know, how we control our reaction to sometimes ridiculous circumstances. Because, you know, in all the work that I do, I never suggest that we are the sole driver, right? I, we have a system that's built on pretty institutional bias against women and support for women. You know, look at the childcare situation, look at what's happened over COVID with the losses um, of women for jobs. And, you know, I, I don't mean to suggest that, you know, you yourself alone can do this. But I do think that for me, it gave me a sense of power and control to look at what I could do, where I could be the agent of my own destiny or future, and to take those steps to get myself where I want to. I mean, my my flavor of ambition is different than yours, Megan, different than folks who are listening. And the beautiful part is there is no one way to be successful. It's whatever you map, right? But if what you consider successful is not where you are. My question is, okay, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing to get there? Yeah. So is that part of the the programs that you lead and work with and the the volunteer work that you do? Yeah, I um I, you know, I do the orientation uh program that sort of gets any gets everyone part of the program, helps them to understand what the purpose of the cohort is. Uh, I also lead presentations on resume boot camp because it is a necessary evil and folks have this huge mental block when it comes to resumes. Um, I also lead one of the sessions on negotiating your career because as a 27 year negotiator, I think I have something to say about the most effective and least um, antagonistic ways to try and get what you want in the work environment. Again, there are lots of table pounders, you know, I've sat across from them. But, you know, good negotiators help you see the world a little differently. And by seeing the world a little differently, their position makes sense. It's not that you've browbeat them. It's that you've invited them to see your world, you know? Yeah. So when we kind of started down this path, you talked about, you know, being intentional with the the choices that you make in your career and then also learning the practical skills. So it sounds like negotiation is one that you're you're interested in and passionate about. So for the woman that's listening that is not where she wants to be, uh, but like you, she has an idea of, of, she has goals for her career. What might be some of those practical tips that either have worked for you or that you teach? Well, I, I would say th- the first thing is get yourself into a community, whether it's a community of two or five or 10, whether these are you know women you went to college with or to law school with, or women in your hometown that you, whose you know, kids go to school with yours. Um, this is a hard thing to do by yourself. And I think it is, you know, many hands make light loads. I think they help you to see one, that it's not surprising. You're not the only one feeling this way. You're not the only one feeling imposter syndrome. You're not the only one feeling like, but I try so hard and it only goes here. So the first step I think would be, however it's meaningful to you, make community. Um, The next thing would be really ask yourself how you're showing up. Really go get that feedback, right? From trusted colleagues, sometimes former colleagues. You need to know like, you know, when you think of me, what are the first four words you think of? And don't edit, 
just what are the first four words you think of? And what comes out of their face might really surprise you because you might think, oh, I'm so awesome, I'm so detail-oriented. And they might think of you as a bottleneck, right? You might think, I am, I'm so discerning. And you might hear that you're critical, but you gotta ask what that means. Like, do you mean critical like important or critical like mean? So, um, you know, again, I've had amazing mentors through the program and so many people whose shoulders on whose shoulders I stand. Um, but, you know, if every important decision about you and your opportunities is made in a room that you're not in, whether you're hired, promoted, given a raise or fired, right? Um, then you got to know what's being said in that room and you've got to do your best to influence what's being said in that room. You have to know who the decision makers are and you have to know how you show up to them. I think I said earlier that we all have a brand, but if you don't know what your brand is, it may not be what you think it is, right? I, I had some discovery to do when I went through the program. I reached out to like 50 people, right? I've been at, I've been at where I've, uh, at my company for like 10 years at that point. My company's enormous. Um, so I reached out to people and I got them on the phone so that they couldn't be like, well, I don't want to hurt her feelings and I'll send a nice email a couple of days later. And I said, just rip the bandaid, right? This is for my good. I need to know what's said. And I heard smart, funny, super quick, a little bit foul mouthed. And I was like, fantastic. That is exactly me. Um, I heard some other things too, though, that I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's me a little bit, right? And so, I mean, there were things that I heard that really spurred me to, to, to understand that I wasn't showing up the way that I intended to. And I think just being aware of it, like the mindfulness folks, like you're, you're, it's, you're up in your head and you're stuck in an emotion and you're like, I'm having a thought and I reached a conclusion that may or may not be true. And I've decided it's true, probably negative. And now I'm all mad about something that may or may not be true, right? The, the, the same thing is that when you've got a perception about you out there, you've got to find a way to get some, you know, just recognizing it exists allows you to get a little bit of distance, go, okay, well, that's not how I see myself, but I must be showing up that way for them or they wouldn't have reached that conclusion. So how can I bring out my best self, the self that is consistent with my own image so that I can have the impact I'd like to have? Now, do I do it perfectly? I do not. I do not, right? Um, but when I don't show up the way I'd like to, I'm actually the first person to throw down, I'm so sorry, right? That was really short. That's not how I want to be, right? And obviously a little bit easier in relationships that, I mean, I've been at the bank for 20 years. There's some folks I've worked with for 20 years. Like the ebb and flow of that is a much different relationship than somebody you met last month. But there's almost no one, there's almost no one I met last month because I've been here so long, Megan. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, it's it's those it's it's making that decision, understanding how you show up, and then making that decision about how you do want to show up, and then asking a couple months later for someone who's going to have had a decent sample size of you, has it changed at all? Do you see any difference in me? Because I think we're in many ways terribly poor judges of how we come off. Like we've got, like we live, like I've got the best intent. I'm sure this is landing perfectly. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not, right? So we, we do need that feedback. Yeah, feedback is critical. So what did that look like for yeah. you, right? You got the feedback from colleagues about how you show up and how they perceive you. And some of it, you were happy to receive. Some of it, you go, oh, I don't know about that. How did, how did you respond to all of that? 
Well, um, I had a, you know, I had a place I could take it, right? I had my group of about seven when I was going through the program and I was like, look guys, I'm like loving this part of it. And I'm kind of broken hearted that the world, you know, that that is the feedback I got. Um, and you know, we sort of had a conversation about like, what are you going to do differently? Right. And some of it was getting intentional in terms of putting my desires out there, putting my wants and wishes out there, as opposed to keeping my head down and working and hoping the world guessed what I wanted, which again, did not happen. So that conversation with my boss was incredibly important. Right. And my boss at that moment said, you know what, Sue, I, you know, I wish I'd known because we had this stuff coming up that I would have maybe staffed you to, but I can't now. Um, and I said, look, I'm bummed, but I get it. Right. And so we got to have a really productive discussion about what I want and how I can get there. And she was very clear. I was lucky. She was very clear as to what it would take. Um, and you know, in the more sort of interpersonal, um, stuff, it, it really was just, you know, when, especially in a situation like the one that had produced the not so awesome feedback, I was like, okay, you're going into the situation, you know, you get anxious, which means you interrupt and you start talking too fast and it, you know, it confuses people. Okay. So, I mean, really doing some self-coaching, doing some, just being aware of where my traps were and doing my best to, to drive, you know, around as opposed to through them. Yeah. The awareness is huge because at least it then allows you in the situation to pause and think, oh, okay, this is what they were talking about. I see this creeping up again. And it's not instantaneous. At least I've done something very similar. Um, I had a, a coach recommend that same practice to go and ask, you know, how would you describe me in, in four to five adjectives? And it was kind of brutal. Like some of it was surprising in a positive way. And some of it was surprising in a negative way. But now, yeah, right. Got to, you got to own it. Right. Uh, but now, in those moments where I'm at least rec- I can recognize it and be aware of, okay, this is what they were talking about. I'm going to pause. Yeah. I'm going to try to course correct. Some of it I've been successful at and some of it I'm still working on. But that awareness without it, I would have just been doing the same shit that wasn't working. And thinking it was working great. Right. Right. Exactly. And sort of having that reflected back to you has been a great opportunity for growth. And it sounds like you, you were able to incorporate that as well. What has been the result, right? So you went through this cohort, you went through the program, you started vocalizing what you were looking for in terms of opportunities at work. You became aware of, of that feedback that you were getting and how you were showing up at work. How has that turned out? Well, I mean, within a couple years of starting the program, I was made manager in a new area over a new practice that has required a lot in terms of doing what I do well, but also learning how to do new things and learning how to draw the most out of a really diverse team that I was handed. Um, uh, It's been incredibly challenging. And of course, with the, the COVID stuff over the last year, some days I'm like, why? But um, even I, I will tell you, even in the hardest moments with this team, I have been um, proud of everything we've done. Right. Um, I think I have uh, really tried to pay it forward to give folks the same mentoring and the same support that I got as I was developing these skills. And um, 
really, I think I've, I've had a much, I've been able to comfortably have a much higher profile role without having to um, shrink or diminish or deflect, right? I mean, I think, you know, I, I had an amazing year last year. It was one that I not wouldn't necessarily have picked, but, you know, I'm proud of how I rose to the occasion. And, you know, there were still moments last year I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't the best moment, right? Like, we were, we're all going to have them. And certainly when you're working 12, 14, 16-hour days pretty consistently um, for a year, it does get wearing. Um, again, luckily there is a light at the end of this tunnel. But um, really, I... Um, by, I think, creating some intentionality, I got to be a part of uh, a practice where all my skills were used in a way that made me feel incredibly um, productive and appreciated, as well as appreciating the opportunity that was given to me. And I think really made space for me to um, dedicate myself to uh, LWT and also to take on uh, the Wells Fargo board role at professional businesswoman of California, the, you know, the resume stuff is little and that's, that's, you know, the resume and the, and the interview coaching and that stuff, that's, that's little, that, that sort of fits itself in throughout the day. But I, I really sort of see myself as this professional person who does these things as opposed to a Wells Fargo lawyer, right? I'm not a Wells Fargo lawyer. I'm not a nonprofit executive, right? I'm not a career therapist, or I'm not just those things. I'm a person who has all these different facets. And I think by seeing myself differently, I, I gave myself space to really go and achieve in ways that I don't think I'd given myself permission to do beforehand. Oh, I love that. I love that. So you have graciously agreed to speak this year at Mom Life and Law Live, the leadership summit that I'm hosting on May 7th. And you're going to be speaking on the panel about authenticity. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts just, you know, sort of as a preview on what you think the importance of authenticity is in your legal career, or perhaps as advice to all of us in our legal careers. Uh, for me, accepting that I was going to walk my own path and I was going to have to use my own voice and do, um, the work in a way that was, that, that was really um integrated with who i am and how i show up um that was really important to me that you know i um i was never going to be a, a person in suits going to court that was not really I, I knew in my first year of law school that was not going to be my jam um and so my whole path has been finding a place where i get to not just use one tool, but I get to use the full range of kitchen tools, the scraper, the masher, the spatula, right? Um, so for me, living authentically is realizing that I am a diverse, complex person and I need variety and I need, um, I need both support, but also, you know, independence to feel like I'm doing my best job, right? I do have a potty mouth. I have occasionally been talked to about that. That is sadly sometimes too authentic, Megan, I have found out. Um, <laughs> I choose my room. I do that better. Um, but the reality is that, you know, if success is being the same person at home and at work, then I am a, a raging success because I am the same person. I take my work incredibly seriously, but I don't take myself very seriously. And for me, that's really important, right? That the ability to separate the two, because I'm a huge believer that if you can't find 
even black-hearted glee in some of the, you know, crazy stuff we do, like, it's just not worth doing, right? And I know that that, you know, may be less possible in other areas of the law than, you know, the operations area that I run or I help to run. Um, but for me, showing up as Sue was incredibly important. And I have on the larger or smaller end of scales, a larger sized personality. I don't know if that's clear at this point, but it's true. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, though, I work with lots of folks who, who arrive a little bit more on the introverted end of the scale. And I love that they show up as them, right? I love that, that, you know, folks on my team, you know, don't feel the need to be me or to be anyone other than themselves, right? Like, that's what's important is that that you can do good work in a way that is consistent with your comfort level and, you know, interaction, you know, desire for interaction. I think I, I've got folks who are like, I would really just like to be left alone and do my work. And if they're doing good work, then other than, you know, the conversations and the touch-based moments, that's great, right? If that's what works for them, I think it's probably going to be a little bit harder to see their ambition or a little bit harder to see what they want if they're not vocal about it, right? But we have those conversations too, which is, is there anything that I'm missing, right? Is there anything that you need me to carry forward, support, advocate on your behalf? Nope, I'm good. Okay, right? We're not mind readers, but again, you know, I've had to go from sort of more corporate legal perspective to I went to a startup before I came to the bank. And now at the bank, which I think people who knew me back in the day are like, Sue Bonnell at a bank. I know it seems improbable, but I'm obviously not in any of the banking part. I'm just, you know, in the operations part, which I think is probably better, Megan. Um, but I, I, you know, I get to be bold and funny and smart and helpful. And that's all I really ever wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. And the conversations that I'm having with women on this podcast and in practice is that it, it takes a bit of time until we feel comfortable showing up as ourselves, right? That was my experience, right? As first year associate, I was not the same Megan at work and at home. And now I can say that I'm uh, much closer to it, right? Maybe not completely where you are, but uh, I am, I also have a potty mouth and I'm working at a place right now where uh, you know, I do pick my moments, you know, obviously I'm not going to, to do that in front of a judge in court, but you know, with, with my boss or with, with certain clients that, you know, you build a rapport with, I am who I am. And if something right. slips out, it, you know, it is what it is. But, and also being comfortable to talk about the fact that I'm a mom, right? When I first became a mom, yeah. I was really anxious about talking about anything with regard to my kids and not sleeping and all of the things because I didn't want my boss or my clients or the court or anyone to think I wasn't capable. And I am much more comfortable now just owning it. This is what's going on, right? When I was a, you know, when I had my second baby and having to to tell a judge, like, I need to take breaks to go and pump, I would have been mortified to do that with my first and really didn't right. advocate for myself with my first. So we're inching in the right direction. I'd love to get your thoughts on how we encourage younger lawyers to do that, maybe in a more authentic way than we started out. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I do. I mean, 
some of it's a, a function of time, like you said, but I will tell you, I'm so impressed with the generations coming up behind us. I think, you know, I went to law school, I graduated in 93. So I was born in the 60s, graduated college in 88, graduated law school in 93. So I was pretty young when I was practicing, when I first was practicing. God bless the people who took time off in between. I hope that was you. It was not me. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of life experience when I was supposed to be having these legal experience. And I was thoroughly properly cowed by the whole, by the whole thing. Um, and I love the generations behind us, right? They are less likely to tolerate some of the system bias that was built in for me very much when I was, you know, I was graduating from law school, you know, again, we were getting hired, you know, we were 50-50 in my law school and we were all getting hired. But as you saw folks go through the years and, you know, women peeled off at rates far higher than the men for reasons that have been studied ad nauseum. I'm not going to go into them now, but I think this generation is like, nah, I'm not going to be on my Blackberry all weekend or now I'm not going to be on my, you know, um, work computer until midnight every night. Um, or if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it at home. Right. I mean, they, they just seem to be a little bit more self-assured, a little bit more, um, I don't want to say I'm a little bit more bold in staking out a boundary than I think my generation felt comfortable doing. And I think every generation behind me has gotten a little bit better, not better and not fast enough, right? I think we still are um, walking up a hill. But, you know, I, I think it's modeling, right? I think it's, you know, picking your stuff up at five or packing it in at five, I guess in our home office, you know, packing it in at five and saying, okay, great, you know, you know, if you need me, you can text me, but I'm not gonna be on my computer, right? I mean, they probably won't need you, but just to let them know that, you know, you're not going to be working tonight or, or like, you know what, um, when are you going to get that done? Well, um, I'm probably going to turn to it on Monday and it's like Friday. And in another world, it'd be like, well, the expectation is obviously that I work over the weekend so that, it, and I, I think some of it is just as a leader being clear about what good boundaries look like, good, supportive, high quality, legal, good client service but still boundaries look like, because I think it's it's easier for folks to, to do the same, right? And again, 27 years in practice, I've had a lot of time to develop these, but I'm still learning, right? And I will still see like a, a 28, 29 year old go like, yeah, no, that's just not gonna be possible. And I was like, oh, that was so crisp. That was so nicely done. I can take a page out of that book. So I think we have things to learn from each other, right? Um, but really, I mean, where we can, where we're leading, where we're managing, where we're guiding or or overseeing teams to be clear about what the expectations are, but try and remove some of those implicit, unspoken, those things that, you know, give you the shadow fears, not the properly scared of things, but just the, you know, the things that float around in your head that make you free float work anxious about it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I love that. So if the listeners want to connect with you, if they want to follow you, if they want to get involved with leading women in technology, how do they find you? Um, well, I can give you all the links and I think you could just put them in the show notes, but, um, uh, we've got a LinkedIn page for leading women in technology. We often post articles and we sometimes have free programming for people who aren't going through our main program. Uh, our main program willpower, um, starts up, it's a, it's a once a year program. So it'll start up again at the beginning of uh, 2022 with places for um, 
folks in all careers, not just lawyers, marketers, engineering, product, HR, finance. Um, and I think we're the better for all of that variety. Um, the Professional Business Women of California um, has a big conference coming up. I'll send some information on that. And uh, more than anything, I just really want, um, I'll send uh, some information about forming your own ring or forming your own circle to do that kind of work, even without a program. Thank you, Sue. I really appreciate you sharing your story and your wisdom with the listeners of Mom, Life, and Law. I'm so happy to get to do it. Thank you. And to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Until next week, take care. Lawyer moms, we made it through another episode of the Mom Life and Law podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If today's episode resonated with you, I ask that you share it with another lawyer mom in your life. And if you haven't already done so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Until next week, remember, you are more than enough. You have a superpower that this world needs, and you are the perfect mother to your children flaws and all. Take care.